Hello and welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Bourne-Jones. Join me as we address common misconceptions head-on, gather advice from practicing advisors, speak with those who have overcome hurdles, and hear people's inspiring stories who have chosen this industry from all walks of life. In today's episode, we look at those choosing to get into the advisory world and why, and get industry insight from two graduates already on their journey. We also delve into the many opportunities available with expert knowledge from the Quilter Financial Advisor School's Head of Training. As always, we break down a few industry misconceptions and discuss the ultimate traits for a successful candidate. Joining me today then is Julian Hintz. Julian is Head of Training for the Quilter Financial Advisor School and Quilter Financial Planning trainees Henry Chamberlain and the wonderfully named Jasmine Sumfun. Welcome to you all. Let's get things started and find out a little bit more about uh, you and also where you are in terms of your study at the moment. So Jasmine, let's come to you first. Um, So I've actually just recently finished my studies um, and I qualified in August. So now just preparing to start seeing clients, um, hopefully soon, and then maybe looking to get chartered status. Fantastic. And Henry, how about you? Where are you? So I'm slightly behind Jasmine. I'm six months into my studies. I've just gone through my first couple sets of exams. I've got another six months until I achieve my level four, which allows me to start advising. And then like Jasmine from there, looking to become chartered. Great. So we've got two trainees on board so we can find out more about your journey so far and hopefully inspire some other people listening to maybe uh, to, to, to follow the same path. In the meantime, Julian, tell us a little bit more about your role then, your head of training with the Quilter Financial Advisor School. How did you come to be in the industry to start off with and tell us a bit more about what you do day to day now? My journey started nearly 30 years ago, um, coming up for 29 years ago actually, that um, I bought my first property and um, a, a very nice chap turned up in his brand new Astra one evening to talk to me about the insurance that I needed to protect my mortgage. As a young lad, I was very impressed that he had a brand new car because he was probably about the same age as me. And we got chatting and he told me he was a financial advisor and that um, he thought it'd be something that you know I could probably do. He told me how much he earned. So uh, you know my eyes lit up and um, uh, you know, to cut a long story short, I spoke to his boss and pretty much two weeks later, I was on the phone um, as a financial advisor. Um, and as I say, that was, that was my routine and that was a route that was commonplace. And I think that's really what's changed in, 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 within this uh, uh, profession. It was an industry then, it was a sales industry. It was very much led by the banks and the insurance companies. And those avenues, those routes have, have closed over, over the years. So, you know, people like me and a lot of advisors that currently are in the market came through those routes there were lots of opportunities it was easy then relatively to, to get into the into the into the industry but um you know it has changed dramatically um it has evolved into becoming a profession it's fantastic to hear jasmine and henry talk about wanting to become chartered you know it, it almost sort of trips off the tongue that wasn't the case 30 years ago so it's terrific to see that that has become um you know it's become a, a, an, a an aspirational profession and really, you know, that sort of young lad who was really, um, uh, you know, impressed by this brand new Astra has turned into uh, an older man uh, who about a year ago 
uh, had the opportunity to come on board to head up the training for the Financial Advisor School. And I, I was aware of the Advisor School. I knew the job that it did and some of the individuals involved. So my background for the last sort of 10, 15 years has been within training, within the investment management uh, sector. And uh, so, you know, I jumped at the chance, to, to be honest with you. There are very few uh, schools like ours um, trying to encourage new blood into, into the profession. So I look after the training team at the school. I look after the coaching team and the operations uh, as well. And uh, so my job is to, to really sort of, in many ways, sort of run the business, run the, run the school in, in that sense. It's great to hear you talk about it as an aspirational profession. And Jasmine, let me come to you on, on that point. I'm wondering if you were similarly inspired by a man in a flash car and that's what got you into this industry. <laughs> um, unfortunately, no, that's not actually how it came about. Um, I actually will admit that I, it wasn't actually my dream job to have a career in financial advice. I was kind of put off by that image of like being an outwardly sales person because that's just not how... I am. Um, but in my previous role, um, I had a placement working with advisors. Um, and so I had an opportunity to speak to financial advisors because we were selling products to them. And I started speaking to the advisors and that's kind of where I got interested in the role because it was very different from what I imagined it to be. And it sounded like something maybe I'd be happy to do and also enjoy doing. So that's really where my research into the role started. And now I'm here. And Henry, how about you then? Would, would you say that you always wanted to be a financial advisor or was it something that you were sort of drawn to as you went through your studies? So I was fortunate enough to be around various family members who were in the industry as well as family friends. So I've always been aware of it as a, as a potential path to take. And yeah, like what really drew me into it was how client-centric it was. And I looked around the various different career paths from like business consulting as well and the one thing I kept coming back to is that I really enjoyed talking to people and with this industry it is just all about the clients and you you're very fortunate to be able to go around speak to so many different types of people have different conversations and that's what really drew me into it I, and I think a lot of people like myself included would think that this is a job for traditionally for men and for people who have a background in uh, maths or accountancy or something like that but uh, am I right in thinking that both of you actually studied uh, and got your bachelor's degrees um, in, as bachelor of arts in, in, as opposed to in sciences is that right? Yeah I did history and I think Jasmine you did politics is that right? So I did an undergrad in politics um, and I did a master's actually straight after in management um, it was an MSc but it wasn't as quantitative as maybe some people might think so both were quite essay-based kind of approaches, so quite different to what people might think you would need going into a finance role. Um, but it hasn't hindered me in any way, actually. So I think- Has it helped you, uh, both of you, in terms of, you're talking about the people skills and, and needing to build relationships with people and not necessarily be a salesperson. I wonder if having different backgrounds educationally and otherwise actually has been a, a help rather than a hindrance? Well, I think what I really enjoyed about my university experience was just being able to spend sort of four years doing an interesting degree with the knowledge that I got told by various people who were already within the industry that when I was looking at various university degrees, I didn't necessarily have to go down your economics or finance paths and I would still have a 
good chance and an entrance into the industry if I wanted to following that. So being able to do just something completely unique for four years, whether it directly helped or not, it was just a very good experience. And I mean, university is fantastic for building relationships and being thrown into rooms of people that you don't know and just having to have conversations and get to know people. So in that sense, it was very helpful, I think. And yeah. Julian, you're, you're nodding along as, as you're hearing both, uh, both uh, Henry and Jasmine speaking there. When we think of the Quilter Financial Advisory School, are you interested in, in taking people from all sorts of different backgrounds and different educational backgrounds as well? I mean, is, is that part of the appeal when you have people applying? hundred percent. This, you know, one of the biggest misnomers is, as you've already said, you need to be, um, you know, a maths major to be able to uh, to become a financial planner. Uh, you know, that's the that couldn't be further from from the truth. And uh, you know, a testament as to why we exist is that re- almost regardless of your background, if you can show some of the traits, the characteristics that enable you to get on with people, with human beings. And if you can demonstrate your ability, you know, some empathy and listening skills, et cetera, um, and you enjoy meeting different people with different backgrounds and learning about them and genuinely caring about them. Henry mentioned this word, you know, client centric, and it's absolutely true. This profession is about the client, full stop. You know, so our job is to, 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 to find those skills, that, that, that sort of those, those natural skill sets, irrespective of, of the academic background if you like doesn't matter uh, in that sense because what we do is then take you through your professional qualifications I think that's the thing to remember is you know even if you've got an economics degree it doesn't matter you still you can't start advising clients you still need to go through the same route as Henry and Jasmine have had to do and become qualified you know in other in other words gain your diploma etc and then move on to chartered so irrespective of your background you've all got to take the same route so Quilter's uh, Financial Advisory School, then it, it provides trainees with the necessary qualifications, but it's not a guarantee of a job at the end. No, no, absolutely. Our, our job is to um, get students through initially through their diploma. So their level four diploma and what level four diploma gives you is the, um, the ability from a regulatory standpoint to be able to advise clients. And we also then take students on uh, through to level six, so to, to the chartered status as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we, that's, that's effect, they're effectively the two routes, but you can't do anything, as, as, as Henry, uh, you know, sort of testified to earlier on, until you've finished your, your level four uh, diploma. And Jasmine, with the stage that you're at in your career at the moment, what do you think the biggest misconceptions are about being a financial ad- advisor, the, the, the hurdles that you've been confronted with so far? Um, I think I mentioned it before. It was really for me, I thought that you had to be quite outwardly a salesperson. So have the gift of the gab and, you know, that sort of persona. Um, and for me, kind of overcoming that, was understanding that whilst there is an element of sales, it's really a profession and you have to kind of know your stuff more than anything um, and also be able to empathize with the client, be a good listener. The soft skills side of things is really what will help you to build rapport with the client as opposed to being, you know, pushy and very salesy as it used to kind of be back in the day, as I've heard. Um, So... And I think FAS really helped with that because with each thing that we learned, we had kind of a soft skills training to help us understand how we can position things um, when talking to clients. So 
for me was just kind of overcoming that stereotypical idea of what it is to be a financial advisor. Did you say FAS then? Is that that's financial advisor school? Is that yeah. right? That's, Sorry, that's yeah. the, the, the abbreviated term for it. No, 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 it's good. It's, we, did, we need to clarify all these things so that people know, um, yeah. who, people who are considering maybe uh, signing up for it as well. Um, Henry, to you, would you agree with what Jasmine said then about this, the, the traditional traits or the, the, the public view of this idea of the salesman um, coming knocking on your door? That's just not true anymore of what a modern day financial advisor is. What are the main traits necessary to be successful? Yeah, absolutely. I do totally agree. I think trust is an absolute key word in this. You want to be able to sort of inject trust and with trust comes confidence for your clients. And if they can ultimately talk to you about their sort of ambitions and their goals and truly believe that you're going to put them in the best position to achieve those, that's where you start to build up a really good relationship and a long lasting relationship with your clients. And in terms of a business development side of things as well. Um, that's where you get referrals from those clients, which is always nice as well. Julian, you mentioned before about when you started off and, and loving the idea of the, the, the paycheck and the, the flash car and things like that. But are those still the kind of, um, the, you know, the, the carrots that you dangle to try and get more, more students on board? Uh, what are the main ways that you try and encourage more people to become financial adv advisors today? Yeah, no, no, def def definitely not. Um, no, no more... Uh... Uh, Astra's. <laughs> um, this, this is very much about, um, if you like, selling in the idea that the financial planning profession, number one, is a profession and therefore should be seen and, and taken as a professional choice. There is no difference, certainly when you get to level six chartered status, there's no difference between that and a chartered accountant, chartered surveyor, etc., civil engineer, yeah, and, and really what we need to do, and we need to do more work on this, is to improve the standing of financial planning as a, as a chosen profession. So we work hard at career, well, when we're allowed, uh, at career fairs, et cetera, um, and uh, try and really sell in the fact that financial planning is, 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 is a profession. And the, and, and, and the way that we, we speak to people about this, and it's really important to understand, is uh, number one, you're doing a job with a huge amount of variety. So if you're somebody that enjoys variety, um, then financial planning will do that. Think about the different types of people you'll be meeting from all different walks of life, different generations, uh, with their different stories, their different issues, etc. Um, and your job is to help um, understand those, to help understand their, 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 their current you know, circumstances, their goals, aspirations, etc., and help them move towards that, um, help them achieve that. And, you know, really to... Um, you know, think about this this role as a as a you being a sort of a professional solution provider as much as anything else. So you've got variety, you help people, so you've got that sort of higher uh, sort of goal of of you know helping uh, individuals. And what we know from all the studies um, that tell us is that those careers where people provide solutions and help people, they get a great deal of job satisfaction from those roles as well. And uh, job satisfaction, let's be honest, um, can, can make you, you know, makes you happier. You don't get that awful Sunday evening feeling uh, if you get real satisfaction from your, from your chosen career. What you've also got is, a, uh, is longevity. You know, the need for financial planning is only going one way. We know that the supply of advisors is falling, but the requirement and the need for financial advice, professional financial advice, is only going one way. So this is a terrific sort of sweet spot where we're at right now. Um, 
So you've, and, and what you've also got to remember is there's nothing wrong with earning money. What you can do within the financial planning profession is have that variety, help people uh, get that job satisfaction. And you can, you know, you can generate a good living for yourself. And we mustn't shy away from that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and you could either work for somebody, you can either build your own business. So there are lots of options. Oh, I mean, goodness, don't we all need some solutions based people at the moment and people to help us all out right now. We are still, of course, living through a, a global pandemic. And and for, for Henry and Jasmine, both of you at the start of your careers, having to go straight into lockdown situations and not being able to to um, have one on one sessions with potential clients and the like other than over Zoom or online. I mean, how have you found that? Have you found it? quite an isolating experience or has it actually been quite liberating perhaps in that you can build your client base and start your career from the comfort of your own home? Well I think for where I'm at in my career where the focus is really on getting through my qualifications where my first set of qualifications in that sense working remotely has kind of played into my hands a bit because it's been easier to be able to spend my evening evenings working and revising etc but on the flip side of it as we've said this i've joined the industry because i like talking to people i like getting out there and being sociable so on that side it's been quite difficult but i mean it is what it is and we're all having to adjust of yeah, course exactly. we are but, but i suppose the flexibility uh, is something that would appeal to lots of other people uh, think considering this career as well jasmine the fact that you can as, as henry was just saying you can you know, perhaps work in the evenings or work in the mornings or just fit it around your your daily schedule demands? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that actually did attract me to the role. And I think it's coming to light even more now that we're in a global pandemic. I think for a lot of clients that maybe don't want, don't have the time to maybe meet you during the working day from nine to five, you could actually set up a Zoom meeting in the evening and have that Zoom meeting with them um, and discuss whatever it is that they need to discuss. Whereas before it was kind of limited and it was more of like you needed to go and physically see them um, and things are changing and I think it's a good thing because it provides flexibility for us and also for the clients as well um, which is really important um, to always be adjusting and making sure that we're staying relevant with the times. so yeah I do agree with everything Henry said. It certainly seems like this is a, a really good career to get into in the current climate that, that, that we're in. And Julian, and just finally to you, would you say that a lot of the people who are contacting you now at the, at the school are, are, are saying exactly that, that it just seems that given what's happened over the last year, this seems like the most feasible um, and potentially profitable approach that they can take in, in, in perhaps changing career or starting in a new direction? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen a, an uptick in inquiries from second careerists, um, people who either found themselves in the unfortunate position of, uh, of, of losing uh, their, their, their roles or saying, actually, you know, what the heck, uh, I'm going to take the sort of leap of faith and, and, and get on with doing what I've wanted to do for a while. So, yeah, we've really seen a, a, an uptick in, in that um, because, it, you know, it, it talks back to your whole point of being this being flexible and uh, again a profession a career that you can um undertake uh, from home as well and around families and all the rest of it you know think about all of those other aspects uh, too finally uh, to our trainees um, what's the one piece of advice the one golden nugget of advice that you'd give to to someone perhaps listening to this podcast who's considering a, a career like yours jasmine let's come to you first 
Um, so I would say my key bit of advice would be that you should try and use LinkedIn as much as possible. Um, that's one thing that kind of solidified it for me. Um, just within the search bar, just search for graduates who are already in the industry and ask them openly and candidly how their experience has been, what it's taken to get to where they are at the moment. Um, and I'm sure that there'll be many people that will be happy to tell you about their experiences. And everyone sort of said the similar things to each other. So I was really happy with the answers and that's kind of what sealed it for me. And I was happy. Yeah, networking, I guess, and, and really doing your, your research as much as possible beforehand. beforehand. Really good advice. Uh, Henry, to you, what, what would be your best bit of advice? Yeah, I'd absolutely echo what Jasmine just said. Get a really good thorough understanding of the industry and what it takes to get to the point that you can start actually advising. But ultimately, if you've got a passion for people and you've got a real sort of drive to provide solutions and help people, then it's a career for you. And yeah, just talk to as many people as you can in the industry and just gain a really good understanding of it. And maybe try and, when you're looking at various different firms and companies, um, find a company that shares the same values as you do, and that will put you in a good position moving forward. Yeah, probably music to your ears then, Julian, is that? Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. I can't really add a great deal to that. Just, just on the end of Henry's point there, in terms of finding a, a company that have the same values as you, um, absolutely, plus understand what support structure there is in place for you as, as well. You know, what sort of career plan is there for you? What support, what resources available? Um, and also, you know, speak to us. Speak to us any, any, any time and we'll give you some insights, some help and guidance as well. Well, I think that's about all we have time for. Thank you so much to Henry, to Julian and to Jasmine for a brilliant chat. Thank you all for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet, brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. You can find us at www.quilterfinancialplanning.co.uk or our advisor school is at www.quilterfaschool.co.uk. 